I'm Cody from Game Life Balance US, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Hi, I'm Ryan Dombrowski of Game Development Studio Doombrowski. I'm game dev YouTuber Nathan the Ninja Fat Man. Together we are Doom Ninja. A podcast about all things gaming from streaming to development, new games and old AAA to indie games. And newspaper boys. It's news time. All right. Don't we have to get this from like a little kid on a box with papers and one of those hats? Get your papers here. One of those hats. Nintendo is going to sell physical game boxes with no games inside. <laughs> okay. Is that a real thing? Is That's that a real thing. What the hell? <laughs> so Nintendo is, if you couldn't hear past my horrible accent of a uh, 1930s New York kid standing on a box, uh, Nintendo's <laughs> going to start selling physical game boxes with no games inside. So basically, some people like to have the boxes for display purposes, but inside is just a download code to use on the eShop for the Nintendo Switch. Okay, so it's new games, and it's not like they're taking old-school game boxes and bringing them back? Correct. Okay. Now, they're going to have three options. You can have the physical co- physical copy, physical copy plus download, or download only. And all, and all three are the same price point is what they're initially saying. So I don't know why you wouldn't do physical with download. It's kind, yeah. like, it's kind of like how I do my Blu-rays. I get the Blu-ray, the DVD, and the digital just to have it on all, all, you know, multiple media. Now, some people don't want the extra clutter. Maybe somebody has like a ton of games already and they need to save space. I, I, I had the space save with movies a while back talking about like movies because yeah. I had like 500 movies. That takes up a lot of space. It's true. So I've taken I've put your binder of four movies. Yeah. Well, it's paper sleeves now. It's in like oh. drawers. Yeah, very oh, efficient. Oh, stepped it all up now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had my grandpa build one. I, I engineered it and sent him the plans, and he built it for me. Uh, nice. Checking in on Twitter is Original Lando. What's up? Last week's winner. Um, our next is NVIDIA. It's got a new product they're launching. So what's it, NVIDIA? Who's, who's NVIDIA? NVIDIA, <laughs> for those who don't know, is the lar- one of the largest, if not the largest. I think they do make more than ATI. Largest video gra- video card chip manufacturer in the world. If they're not number one, they're two, but I think they're number one. Um, they released about a year ago at this point the 10 series. So it was like the GTX 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600. It's just been going up every generation. Yep, it's a 900. Uh, 10 series was a big deal. Uh, it was a new architecture. Uh, they were able to increase performance in insane ways. Their kind of middle high-end road card, which is what I have in my system now, uh, blows away the previous gen's high-end card. Mm. So the 10 Series was a big deal. I ended up picking up one of the 10 Series not long ago, the 1050, mm-hmm. which is pretty much on par, or on par with the 950. It's just a more power-efficient version yeah. of it. That was the other thing. The, the 10 series, the, the Pascal architecture is what they call it, uh, was way better power managed, which some systems hated how much juice the 9 series was pulling down. Uh, you had to have like some bigger, uh, power supplies and whatnot because some people had, you know, smaller entry level systems and they couldn't actually handle the graphics card. Mm-hmm. And they're all budget friendly. The yeah. 1050 I got was like 130 bucks or something. Well, speaking of budget. <laughs> So NVIDIA just is, they're launching a budget graphics card, the 1030. Uh, it's going to retail between 70 and a hundred dollars and it will use the Pascal architecture. Um, so something's going to have two gigs of DDR15 and the core clocks, uh, is 1265 megahertz or 1.2 gigahertz. Um, they're saying it's better than onboard and it will play things like Counter-Strike Go, um, some of the less graphic intensive things without much hiccup. So it's great mm. for people who don't play super high in games or just can't afford a hundred and fifty, two hundred, or even higher card. Uh, like my card, I think was five hundred or four hundred bucks. Is it gonna? Do you know if they said anything about it being standard or low profile? I did not read if that on standard or low profile. Gotcha. Just curious because there was a point where I wanted to build a a living room system and also make it like low 
profile. Mm-hmm. And there was a low profile card at the time that was like pretty much the equivalent of like the 950, maybe a little step down. No, it was a 750. Actually, that's what it was. It was a 750. And I'm going to guess this probably has about the power of a 750. And if it's low profile, it'd be good for somebody wanting to build a system like that. Yeah. My, I, I'm, I had to buy a new case for my graphics card. As silly as it sounds, I had a mid ATX case. Uh, for those who aren't real tech savvy, ATX is just the 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 screw placements basically for the motherboard, and on the back the cutout for the parts where you plug in stuff. That's what ATX is. Is that's the standard of measurement. Mid is what most everyone here has a mid ATX case, probably if they're home. If it's roughly the size of a of a microwave and whatnot. Uh, Actually, a modern microwave. My old microwaves are huge. Um, then you have the mini ATX, which are tiny ones. Your work computer, maybe something like that. If you have a really tiny case, I have what's called a full ATX case, which if you're watching on the stream, you can actually see my case and just putting my hand, I have a pretty big hand. It doesn't even <laughs> cover the, the fan on mine. I mean, that's a big hand, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they are, because of that, my graphics card is giant, so I had to literally buy a new case. So low profile would actually be cool, but um, I'm a little excited for this because I have some younger younger nieces and nephews who are in their you know 11, 12 years old, and their parents kind of want to get they're they're into gaming because of YouTube and Twitch, and they want to get them a system, but they kind of want to start off slow. And this actually gives them ability to do better than onboard without breaking the bank. And they'll likely be able to do it without having to upgrade their power supply, I yeah. would guess. I mean, if they're making something that's budget-friendly like this. Because the, the 1050 series is fairly pocketbook-friendly, but it still does require a little more power than the standard power supply, mm-hmm. like 400 watts or something. And that's not standard in a computer, generally, 400 watts. It's usually like 230 or something. They, 230, they put 260, like, Yeah, they put yeah. like just enough to get the computer running. And if you can just plop it into a machine, just right from the get-go without having to get that extra cost on there, which is like $70 and you get to play games, that might be uh, might be good for a lot of a lot of the less heavy gamers to get them started, like yeah. you're saying. Like, so uh, that'll, those cards will start dropping in the end of July. So uh, we'll start seeing those on the shelves. And if you have someone who... No, I wonder, just for sheer curiosity, what if you SLI'd two 1030s? I doubt they would make them SLI capable. <laughs> There's no way. I don't think the even the 1050 has SLI, the one that I got. I didn't check one. I, my wife's got the 1050. I don't remember. I mean, I, I didn't think about it, but SLI is when you merge two, you have two graphics cards. They have to be the same one, kind of pitch sharing the load. And there's usually a clip that goes from top to one, top to the other that mm-hmm. transfers that data. Um, I don't remember seeing that, but I also didn't look. It's supposed to give like a 20% boost or something like that. I mean, it's not like a huge amount yeah. of extra power you get out of it, but for the high-end performance people, that's usually what they do. They like dual, triple, quad SLI these cards together just to get the absolute maximum so they can play their VR one-to-one friggin' Evangelion or whatever. <laughs> like yeah. high I have a friend stuff. who spends a lot of money to get like four frames a second more out of his system. So, eh. We'll see. So take a look for those graphics cards, again, like I said, in the summer. So, Ryan. So, games. That's right. Whenever we say so, Ryan, it's time to talk about our game of the week. So we have a Humble Bundle monthly subscription. Do you remember when I used to never be able to say those words? Yeah. Stumbling? Now Only it took 25 episodes, but now I can say it. It's a bubbly combination of words. Yeah. So uh, we have the Humble Bundle Monthly. Uh, in early episodes, the issue is we don't have the same games. Um, even when we do like the same games, one of us would have it, one of us wouldn't have it. So there was that confusion. So we use the great service Humble Bundle Monthly to spend 12 bucks a month, and we get you get like $100 in games. Uh, and you also get more games than we would talk about in a month. Yes. So it was a super great way to give us a diversity of games, games we never would have played or bought. I actually know both of us would have never played. Like yeah, I would have yeah, never played Layers of Fear. You never would have played Dirt Rally. Yeah. For example, just some recent installments. Yeah. Um, so it, it expanded our horizons. Some games I didn't think I would like. Like there was the what's the Steam one with the turn based Steam World Heist. Steam World Heist. I would have never picked that game, but I actually really liked that game. Same with Rive. Those were two. Rive was awesome. Rive was two Rive games was so I cool. never would have thought of that. I ended up going. This is pretty cool. 
And I feel like I would maybe would have eventually stumbled into Rive just because of the games that I'm into, but it was already a few years old, maybe not. And just because I had the service, it's like, there it is. Yep. Now I know about like one of the best shoot-em-ups ever. So this week's installment is going to be one of the most talked about games, I would say, in the last two years um, that comes out of the indie world, and that is Undertale. Yeah. So tell us about Undertale. Undertale. I'm pretty sure most of it was thrown together by one guy. He did have help from a few others. The guy's name's Toby Fox. Uh, what we say? It was made in Game Maker? Yep. Also? I don't know which revision of Game Maker he used. I would guess probably... He, like A lot of people either use 8 or they use Studio 1 point whatever. He has Studio something. That, okay. it, it was Studio. All right. Which is what I think I use. Yeah, it was... Well, this game came out a couple years ago. Yep. Like September 2015 is what it says here. Yep. 2D pixel graphics RPG with a interesting combat system, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Interesting's a word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's it's pretty plain Jane from the beginning. Like uh, it looks kind of like a Nintendo game where it shows you some pictures and it's trying to explain the story. And in text at the bottom, you fall into some hole. You're a kid that fell into a hole and you're trying to get out of the hole. That's the whole. That's game. pretty much it. Yes. So that's why you're under. You're underground. Yep. Which, how the kid didn't die. I mean, you remember seeing that picture, right? Of the hole and how far the kid was yeah. from the hole? Yeah, that kid should have been dead. Yeah. So right from the beginning, I'm already thinking, like, this kid's probably dead. <laughs> like, you're just playing as a dead kid. Yeah. Like, on his last seconds or whatever. So the the underarching story is humans and monsters yeah. coexisted. There was a great war. And then humans won and basically locked the monsters underground. With this barrier. That you fell through. Well, well, the barrier is another part, I think. Yes. Yeah, I think they just can't get to where you fell through just because of the, the way that it's built. But the barrier is the main thing, and both you and the monsters are trying to get through the barrier. Both of them. Because so. they want out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you want out. So... I guess let's start with some things. Graphics. Graphics? Uh, they look like poop. It's Honestly, this game, from the beginning, reminded me of a uh, like a Ludum Dare game. You've played some of the Ludum Dare games, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. We talked about a couple of yeah. games, yeah. Where the game is made in like a day or two, made in two days, and it's just kind of whips it thrown together, and it uses like placeholder art and whatnot. Like specifically, the save point. It literally looks like somebody scribbled with a, a mouse a little star twice. And that's the save point. Yeah. And they didn't care to like clean it up or make it look better or anything like that. Felt kind of like it's good enough. I'll continue on to something else. Yeah. It, I don't want to say lazy because it's not the right word. It's just... It, it, Zelda, the very first Zelda would be an upgrade to this. Oh, Just some of the detail they've put probably in. Probably any Nintendo game. Uh, that actually had some time spent on it. Like, any of the bigger name games would be an upgrade, in my opinion. Especially since the art style is more cohesive in those old games, where in this, there's a little bit of a mishmash. Because there were some pieces done by a different artist, and you can tell, like, quality differences in some yeah. of the things, like backgrounds and like, stuff. There's a, there's, there's a punny skeletons that you, you run into out the game was kind of super basic, but then mm -hmm. the initial kind of guide, once... Uh, it's kind of a goat thing, or... Yeah, some doctor... Yeah, that guy, a little more detail and a little more flushed out, but then you'd go to other things where, like, that's a circle with two pixels on it, and voila, that's a fireball. It's, like, insanely more apparent at the very end of the game, too, because there's one enemy that you encounter that's, like, it doesn't look like it even belongs in the and same it, game. Yeah. It's weird. But the game kind of does that, <laughs> I guess. Without giving too much away, it changes... <laughs> The game does, I'm going to say borrow from, because the first game I remember truly is Fable, where your decisions matter. Mm -hmm. It drastically matters. Um, one of the most important parts of this game is what decisions you make based on the encounters you have with the monsters. So there's kind of three branches you can go for to strip it down. There's more, but there's the passive approach which is you try to negotiate and befriend everything, 
There's the genocide approach, which is just kill everything that you run into. And then there's the middle road where you, you, you try to do what's best for the situation, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes however you just feel like. It may not be easy, easy to talk to him because when you talk to him, it uses your action for the turn. You can't attack if you talk on that turn and then you have to go back to not dying. Yeah. So the, the, and then you get to the combat system. It's fairly simple. It's, you have some choices, pick one. Yeah, it was it was definitely different than I expected because when I saw menu systems right off the bat and saw like screenshots and stuff, I figured it was just a turn based fighting system, yeah, which like Final Fantasy, which it is. I mean, they take yet. a turn, you take a turn, but it's mixed with like a, a shoot 'em up, which is really strange. Like you turn into a little heart on a in a box that could be multiple different sizes, and depending on the enemy and the state that they're in, they'll attack you differently and you have to do different things to either dodge or or not dodge in some scenarios which was kind of interesting it was it definitely felt different it's like the combat had a mini game within it that's honestly where most of like the game that's where all the gaminess is actually cuz the rest of it is just walking around and yeah. pressing to talk on to talk with something or puzzles i guess some of the, the oh game yeah, has some yeah. puzzles I that guess are, it does have puzzles that are just kind of walk around there's like there's a spiked floor that you have to go through in a certain order that you're shown one time. That was the one thing. Some of those things seem like menial details, especially in the beginning, that later I was like, oh, shit, I wish I had remembered that. <laughs> like the guy, when you get walked through the spike trap the first time. Spike trap the first time. Near the beginning, the goat guy walks you through a path of spikes on the floor. Oh, I didn't... I didn't ever have to go through like a spike path again, like that. So I don't know. Maybe we just had different different playthroughs different or something. I don't know. Uh, but you had to go through the same way, and I didn't remember, and I had a bad day. <laughs> yeah, I never encountered that one. Yep. I did encounter like the color specific one, where he says he's going to change all the colors that do different things. But I think that one was more meant to be like you're not going to make it through because it's it's super convoluted to begin with. That was part of the joke, yeah. I guess. Because the game definitely has, like, humor added into it. I wouldn't say much of the humor is very good, like, but it's there. <laughs> it does a couple things. So there's a lot of puns in this game. Um, if you don't like puns, you're going to hate this game. It's a lot of nerdy humor, gamer humor. Uh, some of it's, like, deep cuts, like, little insider, like, internet gamer joke, meme joke type stuff. Not memes, but, like, jokes from memes. So a lot of it is kind of geared towards that kind of hardcore gamer audience, and some of it I was just like, uh, okay, that was a joke, but I didn't laugh. So I, yeah, and I honestly felt similarly about the storylines. Like none of it felt like super engaging. The only times I felt like somewhat engaged in it is like in a boss battle where the game is actually a little bit difficult, where I felt like I was doing something. <laughs> Because the, you know, monsters versus humans is kind of whatever. Towards the end, it starts getting more interesting. But I think it kind of... I don't know, it's only interesting because... Some of it is just completely unexpected. And others of it is just kind of like... They they switch from the the happy tone to like a darker yeah. tone. Towards the end of the game. Which I think would have been better for the the whole game. To either be one way or the other, instead of switching instead like of that. Because you have to get so far into the game to get to what I felt like was the good part of it, like the end part. Because I, I played through the whole thing, and it took me like four hours, something like that, three or four hours. I did it in a couple sittings. And after the first time playing, I didn't want to play it anymore. But since we're going to talk about it, I wanted to get as much of it done as I could. And I looked up to see, like, what's the average time frame to take on this? And I was like, well, I got extra time. I'll try to sit through it. They said it was going to take six hours. It didn't take that, but and it didn't, I don't know, it just didn't feel like what I, I thought guess it was going to be. <laughs> this is a, it happens with movies with me too. Like the hype, the hype was real. Like everyone, yeah. like when we announced this game and our initial thoughts last week on the podcast, uh, two people were like, how dare you besmirch the good name of Undertale? <laughs> and I was just like, ah. and then, I mean, it's better than my expectations going in. But it's also kind of what I expected. If that's if that's a fair, like I wasn't, I didn't have high hopes, but it's it's better than this game sucks. 
It was worse than I expected, actually. Really? Yeah. You know, wow, usually fairly generous to the indie yeah, games. I expected the actual quality of, like, the, uh, things as simple as, like, movement mechanics and the art. I mean, I guess I saw some of the screenshots, so maybe I shouldn't have expected more out of the art, but it just, the art felt, like, just bad on almost, I would say, like, 80, 80% of it was pretty bad, which is, that 20% was probably the other artist that was working with him that probably was an actual artist. Yep. And then the story felt the same way as well. Like I said, it felt like a Ludum Dare game. It felt like something that somebody threw together in just a couple days and then just kept kept going <laughs> for like maybe another few days. Uh, it just it didn't feel like a, it was really well planned or thought out. It felt like they were just adding as they were going and did not have their their full thing fleshed out before just winging it. So music wasn't bad. I like the music. <laughs> that's. I feel like that's the redeeming factor, and that might be part of what made people like it as much as they did. Because good music can trigger like good feelings, like honestly, yeah. and especially when music is combined with something that like maybe there was a joke that somebody liked, and the music fit the the mood of this of the scene. That could that can make a massive difference. That's true. I mean, like. Playing this game made me think a lot about response because response was a jam game, but I feel like the quality of the things that are in response were higher than than what's in Undertale. Like more time, <laughs> more time was spent thinking of the cohesive whole. The art is a higher quality. The music is at least on par. Because I mean, they, they def- somebody definitely spent time on the music for this game. I don't know if it's the same guy, but uh, damn, I just lost track. I just saw this guy pop in chat. <laughs> music is a real thing. I totally agree. Music's a big deal. But, uh, dude, where was I going? Help me. Help me get you're back on track. You're talking about music, and you're talking about making... It was redeeming cool. Oh, it takes you to a place. Memories. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> Moving on, because I just completely lost my, my train of thought. But, yeah, it made me think a lot about response and how how we use music to try to help people. Oh, yeah, and, and if you take, like, the same game, if you take response, which is just a little jam game that takes ten minutes to finish... If you cut the music out of it, the game is boring. Yeah. There's nothing going on. Like, it's the, it's the same as the overworld activity in Undertale, or not overworld, no, I guess, the out, outside walking around, where you walk up to a thing, you interact with it, it shows you something on the screen, and that's that. Without having the music in the background, it's just, like, extra boring. Like, no, I mean, I, I get you, because even, like, I'm, music's not, music's way more important to you than me, right? You're, you're a musician, I'm just a consumer of music mm. but like even going back to the beginning like nintendo like mario brothers right so you the when you're in one dash two that you know it just if that was complete the silence and all you heard was boing ding ding it it, the, it it adds to it so there is something to say about the music in that and so it could be sure. even in even regular day, everyday life like when i'm at work and it's quiet it's more i don't know i don't i just don't feel as upbeat yeah. it's pretty boring I, I'm only focusing on my own thoughts. <laughs> Whereas when music's going on, you can kind of just hear the music and be like, "All right, I like this." Not really having to be in your own head, yeah. and that's probably you know part of what makes music make things better too. Is it kind of releases you from your brain? <laughs> yeah, I now share an office with two other people, and it's in a situation where I can't really even put on headphones and listen to music. So there is definite impact on my day of just not being able to throw some music on and just get in my head and get my work done. That's things. So Every yeah. few days at my job, I get to put on like the station that I like. It's like, yeah, it's all right. No, I don't play anything like that. We play uh, like uh, retro, new 80s sounding stuff, which nice. is pretty cool. But uh, so I guess let's go ahead and rate this game. So well, I started last week. Well, let's. Let's do a little more talking before we rate it. Okay. We got a little more time. So, you were talking about there's different paths that you can take. You can kill things, you can spare things and whatnot. Every enemy that you encounter will have its name in a color, and it tells you this. It'll be white or yellow. Yellow lets you know that you can let it be alive, and you don't get any XP, but you still get gold. Yep. And then the white means you can't let it flee, it's going to fight you or you know, whatever it's going to do. It's going to do attacks to you. So the act menu in here, because you have fight or act, the act menu lets you either check its stats or do something 
do some sort of interaction with the item. And usually they're trying to be something humorous or clever with it. Like there's a horseman, like a muscle horseman, and you can flex when you see him. Yeah. So he flexes at you, you flex at him, and he's like, you can't outflex me, bro. Is that all you really just keep flexing? <laughs> and he'll eventually, like, if you keep flexing, he'll flex himself, like, out of the room or whatever. And you don't get any experience, and you get gold. Yeah. Which, I mean, generally you, you want to level up and get experience so you can get better things, better items, whatnot. That's what games tell you to do. So, I mean... So when you were playing, did you feel like you should be more prone to save things because you felt it would impact the game? Because I felt like allowing things to stay alive would probably impact the game. But at a point, I was like, it doesn't feel like it's doing one thing or another. So I will just do whatever's most efficient. So I was looking at Twitter right after we talked about it, kind of wanted to get the vibe of everybody who played the game. And people said, like, the way to play was the passive way. That was the actual harder way and added some more humor because there's like you can fall in love with one of the skeletons, and it's there's more to it that way. So I went passive and didn't really attack things. I tried to do the flexing, the the alternative methods. Some of it's just you got to befriend things. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it's just like there's one. Um, it was like a pig thing that it just needed someone to say it was pretty. I think I did that. So it let the delivery. It was all it is is someone to say it was pretty. Then it was like, oh, thank you, and voila, you're done. And you never had to encounter that enemy again. Nope. Hmm. Because it seemed like there were some enemies that I encountered that when I did the well, passive approach, I didn't I finish the game. Saw so them again. Potentially could have run into them later, but gotcha. I, yeah. Because when you're in the the out world, there are like random encounters. You'll just randomly run into something, and it feels like some of them are just generic NPCs. Like, I don't know. If they're all supposed to have something involved in the story, that's beyond me. Because there were some that I'd spared them, and they would just come back. I would see them again and spare them again. So, at a point, I just started killing things, because I was like, I don't want to see it anymore. I don't want to keep running into it. Yeah, 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 it's it's boring. But the the combat system was actually kind of fun, because I am into shoot-em-ups. And it's a shoot-em-up. It's like... Totally a shoot 'em up minus shooting. Yeah, you have to dodge things. It's positioning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's some of the places that are very much like bullet hell type of things. So that was kind of refreshing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, like I said, I, I felt like at first I wanted to save things because that was an option where you don't normally have in a game is to not hurt things. Yep. But I didn't feel like I was getting anything from it. There was no like response to what was happening, so I didn't feel like I should continue doing that. It didn't kind of guide me that way. Until the end of the game. When I beat the game, it says, why don't you try not hurting things? I was like, oh, great. I just played this game for four hours. Didn't really care for it. And now you're telling me I have to play through it again to get the good ending? It's like, no, thanks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, thanks. If, I, the, if the game was better, if Inside told me that at the end, they're like, hey, you should do this thing. I'd be like, let's do it. Come on. Because <laughs> the game was good. But I, I have honestly never played through a game for an alternate ending before. That's not true. Well... A whole game. I played one where I knew there was an alternate ending. I did, saved it at a specific spot mm-hmm. where I could then go back, but it was like 90% through the game just to see. But like, uh, Fable, I never went dark. I went dark Fable 1, light Fable 2, and I didn't go, I didn't flip flop after running through it one time just to see what happened. I just, it was, I don't know. Anymore with the age of the internet. There's no point in going back to see the other ending, because you can just say, YouTube, Undertale endings. Click. That's what yeah. I did. It's like, what's the difference in the ending? Okay. That wouldn't have been worth it. Yeah. <laughs> to play through the whole game. <laughs> I wish there were still, like, some of that mysteriousness, where there wasn't a recording of somebody that achieved all these things out there. So if there was a game that interested you, and it did say at the end check out the different ending or something like that. The only like, way to see it would yeah, be... Yeah, maybe maybe one day I'll go back and play it again so I can see that other ending. Something to be excited about. So what you need is make a game with a thousand endings. Yeah. I don't know about that. Honestly, the way that response can branch and the way that you're supposed to replay through it, there's probably going to be like 40 endings. Yeah. Endings, quote-unquote. I mean, because well, nothing's going to be like a true ending because it's yeah. not going to be meant to be like the final end. But there, there may be one that, like, is such a powerful ending that you feel like it's, like, the true ending, which I already have mapped out. It's like a seven-interaction chain that's, like, this weird chain reaction that you have to remember things from other playthroughs. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty deep. 
So, all right, rating, rating time. So we're talking rating time. Uh, you start. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so Undertale. Ugh. <laughs> uh, this isn't this isn't my type of game, and just based on the gameplay of it, I gotta add music in too because I like game music. And just like, did I feel like I wasted my time? Almost. <laughs> I almost <laughs> felt like it was a full waste of time. I'd give it like a four, and I, I feel like that's a little generous because the game itself, without the music, would wouldn't have uh, kept me playing so yeah and i like the shoot 'em up parts some of it was pretty intense like just the boss battles if it were just boss battles and stuff maybe 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 i would have liked it more maybe if they had a different person wrote the story or made the story more one direction or another didn't try to be so humorous and that was more a little more cohesive i could see enjoying it a little bit more but it was just too it, it felt too much like some some kid just learned how to make games, and this is the first game they made, just piece by piece. Like I said, just kind of adding adding as they go along. It just didn't feel didn't feel as polished yeah. as it should have been. So four is my rating. What are you gonna give it? So I'm all over the place on this. Like the little mini game combat thing, um it's cool with the heart and kind of dodging the pellets. Um the having the ability to have different branches of the game based on their playstyle, I liked. I've oh, I like that in any game. But then there was like the puns and the jokes. Like actually, they got old really quick for me. I the and I'm the king of dad jokes. Like people that were grown at my humor, they're like, oh god, this guy didn't actually say that. But even I was like, this is rough. Um, two and a half. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, it, if you took out all the corny ass dialogue, I'd be at the four with you. But yeah. it really took away from the game. Like I, I get what the guy was doing, and it's different. So you know, kudos to to Toby Fox for having the ability to have the different pathways in the way they, and, and especially doing it in Game Maker. More power to him. That's fairly impressive. Um, but yeah, in the end, I'm I, I'm not gonna go back and try to finish this game. <laughs> I'm no, going to. It's not really worth it. I actually owned this before the Humble Bundle. I got it part of a random Humble Bundle I bought previously. I wish there was a way that I could give you a save that's like near the end of the game. So you could just play just the see end. The difference. Because the end was the, the best part of the game, easily. But it doesn't feel like it's worth playing three hours to get to the end. You know, honestly, what the game reminded me of at, at the very end of it. Have you heard of Pony Island? Yes. Reminded me of Pony Island. Where it's like crappy graphics and it does a lot of things that you don't expect it gets weird yeah that's pretty much what happened it it had bad graphics and it got weird (laughs) so uh you can check it out we're gonna give away a copy on the twitch stream actually we're gonna give away two copies we have two of this one i already oh yeah you already had it so i'll give away my steam key also um so we'll give away two copies of it and just two inside too when are we gonna give away a copy inside this week Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Because right. I got an extra copy. We have, well, two extra copies, because I bought the game before, and I got it on two accounts. Yep. So. So we have a bunch of keys to give out. <laughs> a lot of games. <laughs> All right, so check out Undertale. It's available in the Steam Store. It's also available for Mac and Linux. Or don't check it out, because neither of us liked it. <laughs> True. <laughs> so what's going on in Studio Dombrowski? Little bits of things bubbling around in my brain. Um, I did some minor tweaks on that uh, Vanguard app that I made, the little power calculator. Yep. It's, uh, I just made the audio play. So <laughs> before I made it, so it had to, you had to play through an audio clip before you could hit it again. And it ended up being that I wanted to hit it before that. So as a minor fix, I had to do that. But in order to get this simple thing done, I had to uh, get GameMaker back running because I got rid of some temporary files because I, I have an SSD and it's my main drive. Yep. And it, when you have 12 gigs of memory, your hibernation file is like 12 gigs. It's the amount of your memory. And then there's like a lot of back-end files from programs that 
are just unnecessary temporary files. Yeah. Apparently, GameMaker style uh, stores very necessary files in the same place as unnecessary files. So, yeah, I wiped them all out, and uh, GameMaker would not load at all. It said that all these modules are missing. Every time it tried to update the module, it failed. I was like, that sucks. But I made a backup, an image backup, about a week ago, or I guess now it would be almost two weeks ago, where GameMaker was working, but I did not have the Vanguard program. I made that just in a few hours in one day. So I copied... Before restoring, I copied my game business folder to my secondary drive and to my external hard drive. Because yep. I have two different drives I keep backups on. And I restored the main drive because it's only been a week and that's like pretty much the only thing I've added to it since then. I, like, I downloaded one game that could be re-downloaded. It's not a big deal. And I open Game Maker. It works. It turns on. It's like, great. Awesome. I can't find the Vanguard file. That's not like, good. <laughs> what the hell? Like, I know I copied this. Like, I, I made a point to copy this over. And I was trying to see, like, where the thing was leading me. And it showed the Vanguard. I had a folder called Vanguard App. And I looked in there, and it was just all that. The like, uh, the art and stuff like that for it. But I didn't see the actual file. And it's because I didn't name it the same. <laughs> I used a different naming convention for the GMX file, which is the one you have to open to run yeah. the thing. And then where all the assets were. So it's probably a good idea, people out there that are making games, <laughs> if you don't already, to follow a, the same naming convention or keep everything in a single folder. Because these these two things were in the same folder, the Vanguard app and whatnot, but the the name of the actual file was Cardfight Vanguard Power Calculator because I wanted it to be specific to Cardfight Vanguard at the beginning. Because sure. when you search Vanguard on the internet, it brings up mortgage stuff and all this if you search Cardfight Vanguard, it'll bring you to the right place. So I named it that. Once I found that, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I was able to get in and, and change a couple things. Um, I changed, since it was in GameMaker, I just used, like, the left click as the feature for a lot of the taps. Yeah. But when you just use left click, it does a left click every step. So if you hold it, it's like, it'll continue doing the same yeah. thing over and over. That's why I originally made the, the samples play until... Or not play again until you reclicked it, and I put a. Uh, Can't you do released or whatever to stop that? Well, there's if I went in, I could just do clicked, okay, and it would mean like once you click it, it won't do it again until you click it again. Gotcha. Okay. Which is what I eventually did and changed everything, uh, but before that, I just worked around it because it was it was a quick, easy workaround, and I just uh, before I put like a ten step timer on when you could click something again, so it didn't double add things when you tapped on it and I eventually went back and changed that but I need to take out the timer because the timer's still in there because there there may be times where you press two things quick quick enough where they don't add together and it, it's not a direct like once you click it you can see that it's added it because it runs through that animation where yeah. it's like rolling up so you won't know if you hit it yet which is yeah it's kind of a double edged sword I wanted to make it look just like the show so I would prefer just keeping it like cool looking instead yeah. of more <laughs> functional so I changed the samples. I changed the long... There's a long sample in it that, you know, a couple people were like, oh, you need to shorten it down. But one other guy's like, no, it's my favorite part. And it's more for, like, me and a couple people anyway. So I was like, I'm just going to leave it long. But now you can hit the same button, and it will actually stop that sample. But the other two, you can continuously click over and over. It's like, final turn, final, final turn, final turn. You can just keep doing it as many times as you want. You don't have to wait for it. Final turn. Final turn, yeah. And that's pretty much done. I should probably uh, put that up on Whatchamahooch. Yeah, play. play store. Yeah, put it up on Play and just leave it there until they tell me to stop. Because I'm not going to make any money off of that. I'm not going to make a damn penny off it, so they're not going to be able to sue me, I wouldn't think. <laughs> yeah. But it would be cool for people to use that like the game. I think they might enjoy it. I just need to put one more sample in, actually. I need to do a stand-up Vanguard sample, which I'll probably do... I'll probably either replace the final turn. I think I talked about this. Yep. Or put it in the center where you just press, I think you put it in the center because we were saying final turn's like the ultimate like troll title. Like, yeah, yeah. So yes. maybe that should be listed as final turn. Well, anyway. So that, that'll probably be going up soon. This week I've also been working on like a lot of a lot of business things have been going through my head because as, as you know and other people who have probably listened to this podcast, I've been interested in starting my own shop, nerdy games and cards shop. 
and I've written down a lot of like the logistics for getting it started, and it's been kind of just sitting there for a while, and it's kind of become a little more frontal lately. I mean, at work, we had a really good day on Friday, where just in store, we did like probably over $800 worth of sales, nice. which is that's pretty damn good when margins are like 30, 30% on the low end. That's a pretty decent amount of money, especially when like the overhead of that place is pretty low and whatnot. But it just got me thinking, like, I, I know I can do better than this, especially because we sold out of some products. And if we'd have had more, we'd have sold more. Absolutely. So, I mean, that could have been a $1,000 day. It could have been a $1,500 day, which made me think more about, I want to get something going, man. Yeah, I got And you. I was thinking more about, like, uh, the the lease date that the, the lady was talking about that kind of owns the place now that... The, the lease ends in August, and she was talking about maybe handing it over to somebody. It seemed like she was talking about me, just handing the whole business over, which would be great. I would love that. It would definitely help keep from having it be uh, competitive if I try to open a shop where it would it would still be <laughs> cool, I guess. <laughs> Everything would be copacetic between me and the shop yeah, because I could let Carl continue working and just do things the way that I want him to do. So I was looking into retail spaces yesterday and seeing like what would cost where and what like the average price is per square foot and what kind of square footage you're looking at and whatnot. And one seemed pretty good downtown, which it's a new building that just got like re-renovated downtown. Yeah. And it said it's like the whole the whole space is like two thousand something square foot. Way way too big. A lot bigger than I would ever need for a shop. But it can be partitioned down to I want to say like seven hundred which I think would be pretty decent yeah. for a shop. I mean, 700 is like the size of a one-bedroom apartment when it comes down to it, yeah. something along, something like that. So it's not not huge, but there's enough to fit like five or six tables and all the merchandise I would need. And it was like $16 a square foot, which came to $878 per month, 16 per square foot per year. So that's feasible. I mean, the shop that we're in now is, I think they said $650 per month. And they're definitely not pulling in the income that they could be pulling in. Like, yeah. there's a lot of places where they're kind of missing out on opportunity. You gotta have, you gotta invest to get back. I mean, you gotta think of the the things that are sitting in the store as a savings account, essentially, and not like I spent all this money. Yeah. No, you didn't spend this money. You invested this money, and you gotta have it available to invest. I also saw where I could like cut the hours, what kind of business hours I could run for the store. Because originally I was just thinking, like, I'll run them the same hours as the store that I'm at now. Seems it's fine. But I also wasn't thinking from the perspective as I'm going to be the owner. And when things go down, I'm going to have to be there. And I don't want this place to be open, you know, seven days a week or even full six days a week or as late as the shop I'm at is now. And I compared it to, like, Coliseum. The, the hours that they have. Yeah. I mean, they run like 10 to 8 or something like that. I wouldn't necessarily want to do that. I'd probably go, I was thinking noon to 9, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, stay open until like 10 or 11. Stay open later just so Friday Night Magic can finish. Yeah. And then Saturday, have it open a full day, uh, basically like 12 to 10 or something like that. And then Sunday, just do a half day, Monday be off, which I think is reasonable. Yeah. Uh, even though currently at the shop that we're at now, uh, Sundays, like Pokemon Day, I don't know how long they run. But if I ran it as Pokemon Day, I'd probably be like, it starts at 1. We open at 12, it starts at 1, we close at 5. you got four hours to do your Pokemon do tournament. That should be yeah. enough time. Yeah. And even if I have to work every day a week, it would only be like 50, like 51 hours. Which isn't like insanely unreasonable, especially if you're running your own business. Um, I mean, ultimately, I would like to have have it just be 40 or you know 35 and be able to take some time to go advertise and go other places and whatnot each week yep it's all somewhere in the pipeline of thinking but i could i could get by off 51 hours and if i had to i could get by by myself so just been thinking a lot about that uh, there's another retail space which doesn't have a price on it and i was kind of curious about next to walmart on service gardens boulevard you know, where they, uh, not the one by 27, the one further down, yeah. like more centralized. And they have like a lot of big stores there. They got like, I don't know if they sell CC's pizza or whatever, but they got, uh, El Sol, some Mexican restaurant that's really good. There's a uh, fantastic Sam's. There's five guys and all that stuff around that one area. And there's a lot of foot traffic that goes into Walmart specifically. May not be as much that walks down the area, but more people would see it. The only kind of like thing that makes me feel iffy about that is that 
all the front windows are glass. And I don't think you can install roll-down doors there. I think because none of the businesses have them. They just have big glass storefronts. And it seems like people take advantage of collectible stores because the things that they would have to steal are very small. <laughs> like you could take a card that's $1,000 this big, slide it in your pocket, and you're gone. Just yeah. like people rob phone stores and things like that. It's, it's small things you can get a lot of and you can you can steal a lot easily which is a bummer. And I want to be able to get roll down doors. And I know some places downtown do have roll downs and that's kind of a little reassuring. And I was actually just told yesterday uh, by Sandra, cause she was Sandra's my girlfriend. She was looking at places downtown as well. And she knows the exact building that I'm talking about. And she talked to the, uh, the guy that's kind of put it together and is the realtor for it. And the glass there is like bulletproof. So if somebody tries to break in through the glass, yeah. They're gonna have a bad time. It's just not gonna work. Did you look at the plaza next to Tech or Techmaton? It, I I don't feel like it has enough foot traffic, and the only place that's open is well, I don't know if Poppy's would be open. I don't know, maybe AT and T. It's hard to say. That's another one's hard to say. It gets a lot of traffic, and they already have the hurricane film on the windows on all of them, so it's nearly impossible to gotcha. break it. It would be worth consideration. If I were to take a place in that plaza, it would be where Poppy's is. That's where I want it to be. That's probably the one you'd want, yeah. Because on the the far end on the left, it's, like, huge. Yeah, I mean, you know how big that thing yeah. is. It used to be, like, a fitness place for a while. It's just massive. And then the next one is, like, tucked way back in the back. Foot traffic is, like, the main thing I want to get is because I, I need the free advertisement for something like this. And I feel like downtown would be, like... Most optimal, ultimately, sure. because there's a ton of events that go on. And this is this is right at the corner of downtown. It's, like, connected to the park walking area. So whenever they set up events and stuff, they usually use the parking spaces that are right there where my store would be, essentially. Preferably. Like, yeah, they're just looking straight at it. I think I'm getting a call. Hold on a sec. I don't know if this is super important. Um, yeah, well. Yeah, uh, I'll have to call her back. I think she probably forgot that we're doing a podcast tonight. Um, but yeah, anyway, I've been thinking about that. It's it's ultimately going to take like optimally, I would like to have twenty thousand dollars to get like all of the inventory, like a large inventory started where there's enough stuff for everybody, and uh, and be able to pay first month, last month, whatever deposit, all that crap, and pay for people to work there for X amount of weeks, like a, a month or something like that. Or well, ten thousand dollars wouldn't pay for a month. Paying people for a month costs a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paying two people for a month. But it would at least get me started. And I'm going to start talking to investor types. You said that you might have been interested. And I'll, everybody that would be interested, I'm going to show like, this is what I've got figured out for right now. And this is what the expected sales would be when different releases happen and compared to what we've already been selling at the shop that I'm at. Just to let people know that like, I'm not going to bail out on it basically. Yeah, because sure. it's going to be my my livelihood. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to be trying to stay alive by keeping this place open. So I've been thinking a, a lot about that. And then uh, thinking a bit about working on response. Like I was saying earlier, that uh, Undertale kind of got me a little bit, like, I can do better than this. <laughs> and I should do better than this. And there's already a game that I got started that I feel is a better version of this. So I'm probably going to talk to Kale about doing another, like, jam weekend or two. Just where, slam it out for a couple days? Yeah, yeah, just take a couple days and we'll get, like, another area or two. Because we did, like, six spaces. We did a lot for, like, just 48 hours. And if we take the groundwork that we already have, which is, like, the base mechanics, and just started throwing on some extra artwork over top of it and making more interactions in that space that's already, like, fleshed out, I feel like we can get a ton done in a very short amount of time. So we can at least work out, like, two of the nine areas or something like that. And over the course of a few jam weekends like that, which I think is probably going to be the best way to do it, honestly, because it, it helps with motivation and it usually has like a little bit of a tail after it too. You're like, oh, I want to keep doing a little bit of stuff on it here and yeah. there until it kind of fizzles out. And we can maybe feel like there's create another build where people can play it too and let people see what what's uh, being added. From it. Get a response from <laughs> response. <laughs> yeah. And the only other note, which is the somber note, of the night, is that uh, I don't know if I'm going to be doing the, the weekly recordings of Doom Ninja in the future coming on. I mean, maybe we could do one here or there, but the the resources and time that it takes, if I want to do, like, a full-on business thing, 
which I'm already kind of trying to do now uh, by listing extra cards online, trying to establish an online business like that. I'm putting like an extra hundred up a day now. It's uh, it's going to be a bit too taxing, and I need some free time, as well as not not making something that should be fun feel like something I have to do, like the games that we play. Like it's not always something that I necessarily want to do, but I will do it because I know that we have the podcast. Yep. And uh, from the beginning, the podcast was meant to be. It was meant to be a branch of my game development stuff, and a lot of my game development has taken a hit in the last few months because I've had a lot of job things change, and a lot of like possibility for a future that could make money quicker. If that makes sense. Yep. Because video game stuff is very. Uh, you have a very low percentage of making a living off of video games. Like, really low. And there's also an extremely high burnout rate for people who do make games. So once they're, like, five years into the business, that's usually, like, the end. And I don't feel like I'm done making games. I I just feel like there's too much other things going on right now that I feel would be more beneficial to... Uh, and especially since this cast hasn't, like, really taken off like I would have hoped. Like, we're, we're still getting some listeners. There definitely are some people who, like, there's people in the chat right now. But it's it's not enough to continue investing the time and money that we're putting into it. Because in the newsletter they sent out, uh, that I'm, I'm sure you read through, yep. had the entry that showed that we, Nate and I, each month spend between like 50 and $60 on the different Humble Monthly Bundles and the hosting fees for SoundCloud, uh, and that's not counting gas. But we have three humble humble monthlies. That's twelve dollars a piece, and then SoundCloud is fifteen dollars. Yep. And like most of that comes from Patreon currently, but that's it's like feeding <laughs> feeding a machine that's supposed to feed back that isn't. So it's just like throwing it throwing money into the furnace, <laughs> the wood chipper. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Where I could be taking that and. I could save up the amount of money that I'm getting for Patreon over the course of a couple months, put it into a new piece of software, or put it into some legitimate advertising. Like, get people that do advertising and have them help me advertise. So, maybe that's going to be a better way to spend it. I am going to keep updating on my, my progress of the business and whatnot through the, the blogs and the newsletters, but I just feel I just feel like the podcast isn't where I need to be right now. Makes sense. And it's sad. Like it is, it's a sad thing because I've been thinking about it for a while because there's been a few podcasts where I, I came and I just wasn't feeling it. And usually talking to you, it's always nice talking to you. That's never the problem. <laughs> like I enjoy coming over here and talking. So I, I don't have a whole lot of friends that I do talk with. Like honestly, I talk to you more than like anybody else. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't know. Take that how you will. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I think. <laughs> but yeah, it is nice coming over here and talking. But yeah, I just don't know. I don't know if I want to keep it as. Uh, like, as much of a necessity as it has been. Like, really trying to keep it on a schedule and whatnot. Maybe we'll just do it when when the time's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe when we do, like, a game night or something and we have some extra time and the girls are hanging out in the other room. It's like, let's just lay down a cast. Let's just let people know that we're still alive and, and say hey and whatnot. And I got no problem with, like, uh, any other cast that you still want to do. I'll still help rep and whatnot. Because I know you're still into the casting stuff. You got... Yep. You got the gear and whatnot. I can even leave the the mixing board here because we got another one at the house. Cool. So, but okay. yeah, somber news. Sorry, guys. That's uh, pretty much the studio update business. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have you been doing, Nate? <laughs> I spent a ridiculous amount of time making the fucking pause work. I've... Pause is ridiculously <laughs> complicated there. to make it an actual pause. I made it where you can't move, but the energy would still recharge. So I was like, wait, what? Son of a bitch. I spent what I thought was going to be legit 45 minutes on the high end. I'll put together a pause feature and have a little splash screen spot pop up so you can't cheat and like, you know, look through the map and try to figure it out. You know, just something to pop up to block things. I got this. Four hours later... I looked at like six forum posts and was like, this is stupid. <laughs> and I kind of have it figured out. So, uh, the, actually, I, I have it figured out. It's just, uh, when you unpause, there's some shenanigans I need to tweak a little bit. Hmm. But it, 
I didn't think it'd be that hard. <laughs> Do you remember the pause issues I had with Suburban Scavengers? No. Where, even when I got it to work, because I've made pauses before, there was, like, this big... Like, if you're on the left side of the screen, there was a massive pause that, like, went off the screen... And then, like, there was a secondary one, and it didn't, like, really... Some things were lighter than others and darker than others. So even, like, pause is always an issue. Yeah. <laughs> because you got to maintain, like, the same... The state of yeah, multiple yeah. things. Stop the steps from going without stopping them. Because <laughs> you still need them to wait for the response of the pause button to kick it all back in gear. Yeah. And there are there are easier ways than, like, stopping each thing and, like, keeping track of all the stats on the thing directly... I mean, I think with mine, it exits the room, it creates a snapshot of the previous room, and overlays it on top of what your your empty room is. So it looks exactly the same, and when you go back in the other room, it's the same place, but it literally, like, transfers you to a different room, like, in a, in a snap. How did you end up going about your pause? Well, so, I made a new state. So, uh, for those who don't quite understand there's a thing called state uh, state machines that it's kind of imagine a bunch of boxes and its code is in each box and when you transfer from one box to another it turns off all the other boxes so that only one box is on at a time yeah you can only be in one place you can only be in one state at a time so i added the initial way i thought was like oh just make steps equal zero the speed of the room zero that that'll work no because that that stops it from looking for inputs too um so i went with a state that basically it captured the, when you hit it, it took all the four energy bars and saved them as basically a variable. So it was mm-hmm. locked. Um, I did do the similar room where you left the room. I don't actually have a screen that pops up. It's a placeholder, just black box. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it goes back, the issue that I still need to tweak on was a tell you about unpausing is it doesn't put you exactly where you were. So I need, <laughs> it puts you in, kind of the reset port point of the room where you it it puts you in the last view you were in but at a certain spot in that view okay. so if you were up at the top of the screen and hit pause when you unpause you're gonna be at the bottom of the screen but in the same part of the map if that makes sense hmm so i just have to fix i i know how to fix it i think i just have <laughs> to fix it and i was it was literally 10 o'clock at night and i'm like i'm gonna knock this out real quick and 1 30 in the morning i was like fuck this Dev sucks. I hate it all. Which we've all had those moments. So, but I know how to fix it. I just I needed to walk away from the keyboard because I was getting ragey. Yeah, I remember that happened. My first project. But honestly, that was all the game dev stuff I have. Um, I've been learning Python slowly. Um, it's got applications at work that could lead to bigger, better things later. So I've been working on some Python things and then learning some other stuff from work. Uh, it's called remote authentication. It's basically allowing you to log into something one place and or single sign-on with... It's kind of the same thing. You log in one time, it lets you get into multiple applications. It's part of my job is to help set that up, but I don't do the dev side of it, and I potentially want to. So, Gotcha. Those have taken up a lot of my free time because it's not just... It's not simple stuff. It's not just, oh, it's... This is the concept, go. It's This is the concept, and here's all the BS associated with it. And it, it takes learning some ways, like learning how cer- certain servers work. and uh, It's a little more complicated, but I'm enjoying it, if that makes sense. So when you go in and they start teaching you about it, you start singing Avril Lavigne to them? Why you gotta go make it so complicated? <laughs> I was hoping you were going with this, so I was like, Avril Lavigne? I don't tell them I'm a skater boy. I'll see you later, boy. Is that what you tell him after that? Yep. Like, see you later, boy. boy. <laughs> B-O-I. It's time for the podcast plug. For keeping all of the podcast fluid in its reservoir. Tyrion's Landing Episode 116 Trailer Reaction. Rachel is back. Join the Tyrion's Landing team in talking about the Game of Thrones Season 7 trailer. Check out this podcast and more at gunnageek.com. That's it for this week's episode, Ryan. Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at r underscore Doombrowski, at Facebook at Doombrowski, and at Doombrowski.com. You can also find me on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Doombrowski. Fans on Patreon get special rewards, including podcast shoutouts, inside information, free games, and early access to podcast episodes. Special thanks to my elite patrons, Patty Burnham, Colton Daniels, and Sandra Strickland. Nate, where can they find you? 
I'm on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, all under The Ninja Fat Man, T-H-E-N-I-N-J-A-F-A-T-M-A-N. You can also find our podcast on SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and Doombrowski.com. You can also find us on the Gunna Geek Network at GunnaGeek.com. And check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Podcast and our Twitter at DoomNinjaCast. Thank you for listening. May your headbands be tight and your XP plentiful. Booyah. Join the Tyrion's Landing team in talking about the Game of Thrones season, season 7 trailer. Oh, I did it. You did it! Yeah! Seven. 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 Seven.